0: Hey, this is Brennan, yourself from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. I want to start off, this is a, a little weird, you won't understand it until later, but I want you to yell, uh, I want you on the count of three, I want you to yell with me, we're number eight, okay? Number nine, like okay? Okay, so... On the count of three, as loud as you can. One, two, three. We're number eight. Let's do it one more time. We're number eight. Okay, great. You can sit down. Uh, hopefully, that will stick in your mind. And, and as we go along, you'll find out why we're number Like, nobody, nobody goes like, man, I hope I come in eighth in this race. Like, no, nobody is in a competition. It was like, I'm really gunning for number eight, right? And so, uh, but in the scripture, we will find out today uh, what What this number eight thing is is all about, and uh, so so in 1 Samuel sixteen verses one to thirteen i 'm not going to read like the whole thing we 're going to kind of work our way through it, uh, but it is it is basically the the choosing of David uh, God chooses David through Samuel, and uh, I want us to look at that and see what we can uh, get out of it today for for ourselves and so so, beginning in, beginning in verse 1, uh, it, it says that uh, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So, the back story is, is that uh, it was never God's plan to actually have a, a human king. He wanted to be king over Israel, and Saul was kind of Saul was God's compromise with the people. The people looked around at all the other nations, and they were like, "They all get a king. Why don't we get a king? We need a king." And so, uh, so Saul became the king, and uh, he. It started out. It started out well, but uh, but then uh, the the power, everything went to his head, and he was not a good king. And so as we begin here in chapter 16, God says to, to Samuel, like, Saul, Saul is done. I'm choosing a new king, and it's going to be one of the sons of Jesse. And so, so I, want you, I want you to go down, and I'm sending you to Bethlehem because I'm going to show you who the, who the new king is. And, uh, and the immediate reaction of, uh, of the prophet is, is like, Saul... Saul is going to kill me. Like this is not going to go well. I'm, I am afraid. I'm, I'm scared. God, uh, to do that, and God basically says, uh, "Listen, I'm God. You're not. Shut up. Grab a heifer. We're going to go down to uh, Bethlehem, and I want you to do a sacrifice. You know, and invite the important people. But make sure that you invite uh, Jesse and and his sons. We're gonna, we're gonna have." A sacrifice, and I'll show up, and I will, I will tell you what to do. And then, in uh, as we move along in the story, uh, in in verse four, uh, when Samuel arrived, Samuel obeys, and when he arrives in Bethlehem, it says the elders of the town tremble when they met him, and they asked, "Do you, do you come in peace?" And so, how many of you know, like when uh, when you see the man of God coming? Where your reaction to that depends on where you are, right? Like it can be like, "Hey, pastor, great to see you," or it could be like, "Hide the beer, the pastor's here," right? Like when you see, when you see the, the person who represent God God coming, it's like it's like when you see those lights in your rearview mirror. Like you, you have there's different reactions to it, and so so the people the people are like, "Uh oh, like here comes the prophet." Does God want to judge? And uh, condemn us, or does God want to bring a blessing to us? So they're very, they're very, very tentative. And uh, when, when they see him coming, and they say, "Do you come in peace? Are you coming to bring good things or, or bad things to us?" And, and Samuel's like, "No, no, no, it, it's good. We're gonna, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a sacrifice." Uh, and so, um, so in in the next verse, in verse five, he says, "We're gonna, you know." Come on out. We're going to have special services. We're going to like do a sacrifice and kind of invite invite everybody, and, uh, and he especially makes sure to invite invite Jesse and and all of uh, Jesse's sons because that's the 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 custom is when you invite important people, you invite their family, you invite their their sons as well. And so so he does that, and then um, and and then he's waiting. He's waiting for God to speak to him to show him which one of these sons is going to be the new king. And so Jesse brings seven sons. Seven sons come uh, to the sacrifice. And the first, the oldest son is Eliab. And uh, Eliab is kind of, uh, he is, uh, he, he he looks very kingly. He looks very, very impressive on the outside. You know, some people, you know, they just got that rock star or that, that, Movie star kind of look to them. There's a presence about them. They look like they should be leaders, and uh, that's that's how uh, that's how Eliab is. And uh, Samuel jumps to a conclusion. Samuel is like, well, surely, surely this is the one. Like he just he just looks like this would be the one, and so he totally judges on the outward appearance and. and he, he does something that, we, that is part of fallen human nature, something that we still do today. Uh, he, lets, he lets the, like, outward celebrity things take precedence over character. He doesn't really, he's just going by the outside. Not that we ever do that in our culture, okay? But, uh, but you know, celebrity culture is, uh, the values of celebrity culture are, we're, were alive and well, even even like way back here in the, in the Old Testament, and uh, and he kind of jumps to the conclusion that uh, this must be the one, and then God, God has to God has to like set him set him straight. Uh, God says, you know, it's not about it's not about stature, it's not about height. And and all the short guys like me said, Amen. Like, uh, God God can use short people, right? It's not about it's not about the height. It's not about it's not about uh, whether whether somebody is good looking on, on the outside. Uh, Ken is okay for Barbie land, but Ken doesn't being Ken doesn't count in the kingdom of God. Right? It's about it's kind of about more than that, and uh, and it's not about the God says to him. It's not about the superficial and and the outward. It's not about those things at all. And and we are, let's face it, as a, as a culture. We are suckers for charisma. We will, we, in our, in our fallenness, we will, we will choose charisma over character. And so God has to set things straight. God says, look, it's, man looks on the, on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so the heart is the most important thing to God. As God looks down on us today, the main thing that he is concerned about is, is not all the things that the other people see, he's more concerned with our heart than any other single thing. And so, so in God's kingdom, there's not there's not like a, a, a look to serving God. It's not like you can serve God, uh, you know, and be a Christian if you if you have this certain look. It's 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 not a look. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. It's a, it's it's all about it's all about the heart. Uh, that we that we bring to things, and so, so it's all about it's all of, it's way more about anointing than it is about appearance. And and let's face it, we uh, in the church over the last couple of years have been a lot of you know there's been a lot of scandals, a lot of uh, you know a lot of documentaries, a lot of a lot of uh, falls from high places because because we we haven't paid as close attention. To the things of the heart, and to we, we've gone by appearance rather than uh, rather than caring about anointing, and uh, and so as we move through the story, uh, it's it's kind of it's going to be it's repetitive. It's like he's not the one. God says he's not the one, and then uh, and then one by one the other seven sons they uh, they kind of they kind of make their way through. And uh, and 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 God is going. God is going. No, 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 no. There's no there's no clear winner here. It's like a it's like a spiritual beauty pageant where where all these guys are walking down the runway, and uh, and God and God is, is like no, it's 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 none of them. And uh, and so it's a little confusing to Samuel, I'm sure. And uh, in verse 11, I love the the Bible. The Bible's just funny sometimes. Like in, in, verse, in verse 11, Samuel says, is this all you got? Like, is this all you got? And, uh, and Jesse goes, well, wait a minute. There is one more. Uh, there's, there's like, yeah, there's, there's the youngest one. Like somebody run out to the back 40 and grab Cinderfella and, and, and bring him back. Uh, you know what? Be careful not not to step in in the goat poop because it's kind of nasty out there. And uh, and they and they send for for David. Now David is out like all the other brothers have been invited. They're important people. They're on the list. David didn't make the cut. David is out. He's just out doing doing the grunt work, doing the doing that the lowly job job of herding sheep, and. Uh, and there's a there's kind of a backstory to this too, though, because uh, David David has a different mother than the other brothers, and uh, according to Jewish tradition, there is, there's some questionable things going on in the in the family line, and uh, and there's some there's some some pretty deep moral questions about about uh, David's David's birth, and in fact, in Psalm 51:5, uh, David says. Uh, I was brought forth in iniquity, in sin my mother conceived me, and and I don't think he's just being humble. I'm not, I don't think he's going well. You know, we're all born in sin, and I, and I was too. Like I think he was carrying some some baggage. He was carrying some shame uh, from from uh, you know what was going on in his family, and uh, he's kind of like he's kind of like the. He's kind of like Cinderella. He's like, he's like a brother, but he's, he's in the family, but he's not really in the family. He kind of gets all the lowly jobs. He's, he's allowed to be around, but he's not, he's not in the house hanging out with the other other brothers. And the, the Bible describes him as, uh, it's not that he's not handsome. He's just kind of, he's kind of rough looking. He looks like a guy who spends a lot of time outside. And uh, he's got more of like a, Clint Eastwood, you know, uh, kind of, kind of roughness about him. He's not like traditionally handsome, uh, but he he's uh, he's he's different. He's different than everybody else. The other brothers are have kind of grown up more in privilege. You know, they're in the house, and and he's out he's out doing the the hard work. And uh, and the thing is, though, like he he probably thought of that as a punishment. He probably thought like man like why am I so different from the other brothers why do they have everything and I, and I don't really have much why why do they get treated this way and I get treated this other way and uh, he he was probably carrying some uh, some negative thoughts about that he kind of looked at being out there in the field as as a as a punishment but but God uh, actually had a purpose in it and this is good news for us like the, 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 what he thought was a field of punishment was, was actually a field of preparation for him. Because while the other brothers were like in the house, like dining and drinking and, and doing, doing all the things that uh, important people do, David was learning how, out in the pasture, he was learning how to work really hard. And that was going to come in handy later on. And he was out there and he was like, they were all having fellowship all the time he was out there like goats, are, like goats and sheep are terrible conversationalists, right? The only person he could talk to out there was God. And so he's out there and, he's, and is he, he's an interesting guy. He's like an artistic type. He's like tough, but he's artistic too. And so he's out there with his harp and he's talking to God and he's making up songs. He's creating songs to God. And so he's not only learning how to, how to work, He's out there like, he's out there fending off bears and, and, he, and he's protecting the sheep. That's gonna come in handy later on. And he's also learning how to be a worshiper. A worshiper like from his heart. And, uh, and all of these things, he doesn't know it. He thinks he's being punished. And what, what is happening is like God is really preparing him. He has no clue what is about to happen, but God is preparing him to be a king, and uh, I find that God works that way sometimes, that, that what, sometimes like the, like what's, what, what were like the toughest moments, when you're like, oh, like why am I going through this, in retrospect, as you look back, you're like, oh, God was in that the whole time. God was using that to, to prepare me for the future, to make me stronger. And, and so that is, what's, that is what's going on here in uh, in, in David's life. And uh, and so so they they get David and they bring him in, and uh, and, and God, God goes to Samuel, he's the one, he's the one, and everybody was like, what? Him? Like David, really? Like nobody else thinks he's the one at all, but God says he's the one. Now, in in the Bible, numbers are really significant; they're really important. See a lot of patterns. See a lot of threes, a lot of twelves. Uh, six is the number of that represents man. So, like in the Book of Revelation, six, six, six is the number of the Antichrist. It's like God's or uh, man's like ultimate rebellion uh, against God and trying to place himself in, in, uh, in, in place of the one true God. And so six is very significant. Seven is the perfect number in the Bible. Seven is always associated with God, and it's, it's the number of perfection. David is number eight. Guess what number eight means in the Bible? Absolutely nothing. Doesn't mean anything. It's just the thing that comes after Seven. And so David is very literally, he's just the leftover. He's just the guy that, he's the guy that comes after seven. And, uh, and it doesn't mean anything. And so, so he's probably had all kinds of thoughts about like how he doesn't measure up and how he's a failure and how he's, he's, he hasn't like got the gifts that these other people have. He's probably wrestled with all, all kinds of, all kinds of uh, things like that. And so he looks at the field as a, as a failure, but God is about to, to just like turn everything on its head, and the field of failure is about to become a field of favor. He's about to, he's about to be highly favored uh, by God, and to be singled out for a very, a very special mission. It says in it says in verse thirteen that uh, the spirit of the Lord. Uh, came on David in power and, uh, and, it, and, it, and it comes on him and, uh, and it, he's, a, he's anointed. He has this anointing to be king. So what does that mean for us? Well, I think, that God, I think that God loves to take workers and I think he loves to take worshipers and he loves to turn them into warriors. That's what he's doing in David's life uh, and I, and i think that that's kind of a pattern that that he does for all of us because god knows something that all the other people at this meeting don't they don't know it there's there's a giant coming there's a giant on the horizon and god has to get somebody ready who is who is going to face that giant and all of the other brothers they're they're too soft they they're not ready he choose. he has prepared david and he has chosen him to face that to face that giant I don't know if theres uh, if there's any number eights here I don't know if you've ever felt like you're number eight like you don't quite measure up you don't have all the gifts that that other person has like you don't play guitar, you can't sing you don't like the, the list could go on and you're and you're thinking i'm just like I'm just me and uh, if If you are, this story is is good news for you Uh, because because God chooses number eight. David was not perfect. We we know that. Later on, he falls into some of the same patterns and same temptations and sins that Saul does, and and, uh, things go to his head, and he makes makes big mistakes. But the the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. In Acts 13, it says, uh, After removing Saul, God made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And here's the reason. He will do everything I want him to do. So it turns out that, that availability is way more important than anything else. Like God is just looking for a heart that says, I don't, have, I don't know what I have to offer you, God, but whatever I have, like, I will offer it to you. And when you speak to me, I will do what you want me to do. And, uh, and so David is, David is uh, he's been made field ready. He's not housebound like the other brothers. And uh, sitting makes us sitters, but serving makes us servants. And David, he learned how to become a servant. And, and this passage of Scripture also tells us that, uh, that, it's, that heart matters a lot more than height or any other kind of outward thing that we can, that we can offer God. And, and then it's not so much about perfection, it's more about passion. It's more just about loving Jesus Loving King Jesus with everything that we have. And I, and I you know, as I, as I taught at Bible college over the years, I saw this play out. I saw, I saw like, people come in who, who were like Sauls. They look like, oh, man, this guy looks like a pastor. He looks like he was born, you know, he, he came out looking like a pastor. Uh, and, and everything kind of came easy to them, but... But there was like things, there were unresolved things in the heart that never got taken care of because their charisma and their giftings let them coast along. And then I saw other people that maybe I didn't even notice them until the third year. And it's was kind of like, oh, wait a minute. And then, and then they started to emerge. But, but God, they had taken time to check their heart and let God form their character and, uh, and those, are the, those are the people that did not get knocked out of the race. Those are the people that are still serving God today. And so, so I've, I've seen this play out in, in a lot of different ways. It's, it's uh, anointing over appearance. It's the power of the Holy Spirit uh, over pretense. So David was the least likely. But sometimes the least likely is becomes the best qualified. And so if you feel today, if you feel like, man, I'm number eight, like I don't feel qualified for much, like take heart today, I want to encourage you uh, because, because sometimes, uh, sometimes man's number eight it actually turns out to be God's number one. And uh, God, God has a he, he, we're not all kings. But he has a plan for each one of our lives, he and what I've found with God is that like absolutely nothing is wasted. He takes every single thing, every single thing he puts us through. He he that that forms our character, and and nothing is wasted. And he's preparing us for ultimately what what he wants us to do. And uh, man's number eight is often often God's number one. I've uh, I just. I came from uh, the the last place I was at. Uh, uh, I don't know if anybody's seen the uh, the Sound of Freedom movie. That excellent movie, highly recommend it. Uh, and but the opening scene of that is in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. And uh, and I've done a lot of ministry there, and I was I was just there like a couple couple weeks ago. And uh, one of the one of the un, I I I literally saw like a David there. There's a a, an African-American man. His name is is Poppy Elvin. Everybody calls him Poppy like Father Alvin. And uh, he he was in the military. He married a lady from Nicaragua. They they settled. They they ended up in Honduras. He was a carpenter by trade. He was helping people build houses and uh, with a nonprofit. And all these kids started hanging around, and so then he brought food for the kids. Uh, and then he found out that a lot of kids ended up in prison, in jail, because of the gang activity. And so he started visiting the, the the kids that he'd met and got thrown in jail. He started visiting them in jail, and it literally, like in 30 years, it turned into this whole ministry where he has like four different churches, he has like all these different uh, kinds of kinds of outreaches, he builds houses for people. Like, God is just using him in an incredible way. And, uh, and you know, you can't, like, Tegucigalpa is quite a big city. But anywhere you go in the city, if, you, if you're with him, there's always somebody that goes like, Papi Alvin! You know, and it's like somebody that he's, somebody that he's ministered to over the last 30 years. He and his wife have had 400 street children come through their home uh, over the last 25 years, uh, is he's taken them in for various amounts of time to kind of get them back on their feet, uh, get them off of drugs, and and uh, trying to give them like a chance at life. And, and there there are some sad stories, but there are also some victory stories of people whose whole life got turned around because uh, because they they met Jesus through Poppy Elvin. When we got there, Poppy Elvin told us. Uh, he was like I'm, really, like, I'm really having trouble finding translators, so I just want to warn you, like the translator that you're going to have this week, uh, she's like a girl that I met in jail, and uh, she's not a Christian yet. And I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting. And so she's translating the messages. You know, She's translating Bible messages, but she's not quite a Christian yet. And uh, so, so my wife, Colleen... Like, about three days in, my wife ends up, like, leading her to Jesus in the, in the, the back of the truck. Uh, <laughs> and, like, and, and then, like, for the, for the last, like, three or four days of the, you know, like, we, we're, we'd be in churches and we look over and she's, like, you know, and, she, and she's, like, praying for me. And I was, like, okay, she gets it. Like, she's, she's got it. But it was because, you know, it was, we just happened to be there. It was, it was the influence of Poppy Alvin. Poppy Alvin. And every time I'm with Papi Alvin, I come away going like, Lord, make me Papi Mike. Like, I need to be, I need to be more like, I need to be more like like Alvin is. And he is somebody that has no, he's no like official all of his training, he's very biblical, but all of his training was like he did not go to university, okay? Like all of his training was this alternate route. He is like the least likely guy to have a major impact. Uh, but, but, but there he is. And uh, so, so God loves, God just loves to, he loves to do that. He loves to take number eights and go, guess what? In my books, they're, they're number one and, and I'm going to use them. So blessed are the worshipers. Blessed are the worshipers because they're really going to outlast the worriers. And blessed are the workers because they're going to outlast the watchers. And blessed are the warriors, because they're going to outlast the whiners. Lord, save us from the whiners, right? They're going to outlast the whiners. Because God God just, he, he loves to use number eight. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know... Uh, I do know that God wants to use each one of us. God may be calling some of you to a new thing like he did David, but often God just uses us right where we're at as well. He has planted us in that place for a purpose. But, but God wants to use all of us uh, to, to reach out to the world around us. And some of us kind of get paid full time to do that, but, but, but we're, all, we're literally all ministers of the gospel. And uh, so if, you're, if you've ever felt like a number eight, I just wanted to encourage, like take heart. I want to encourage you today that, that God is in the business of using number eights. And it's not, it's not so much about whether we have this outward gift or that outward gift or, you know, whatever. It's, it's more about our hearts. It's more about the openness of our heart. When God looks down, does he, is he seeing a person where he can say, that person there—they really love me, and they'll—they'll they'll do whatever I ask them to do. That's—that's that's really what it's—that's really what it's all about. And so, as we—as I—as I kind of bring the plane down for a landing here today. Um, I don't know—I don't know, like, kind of where you're at. Uh, I know that there's probably a few of us in this room. And uh, right now, there's like there's a giant in your life. You're facing down a giant in your life. It may be uh, it may be a giant of doubt, maybe a giant of sickness, maybe a giant of some addiction or sin that you that you just can't seem to seem to shake off. Uh, and a, and a, it doesn't have to be a giant thing for anybody else. If it's a giant in your life, uh, then then we need to face down those giants, right? And uh, the good news is that whenever God allows a giant to be in front of us, he does that because he knows that there's a David inside of us. It says, it says uh, in the Bible that the Lord's eyes roam the whole earth looking to strengthen those whose hearts are committed to him. And, and that means as God looks down on us today, he's not looking down in condemnation or like he's, he's looking down and he wants, he knows there are giants and he wants to strengthen us. He wants to show us that we are David and that we can stand up to those giants. And so before I pray today, I'm going to pray a, just kind of a prayer of encouragement for all of us. I would, I would also say that there, there are always prayer teams up here. And if you feel like you need to talk to somebody and get really specific prayer, uh, do that. But I'm wondering, is, is there anybody today, you're like, I get this whole number eight thing. Uh, I, I resonate with that. And, and I'm, I'm kind of facing a giant in my life right now. And, uh, and, and I, I just need God to give me the strength to stand up to that giant and bring it down. If, if that's you... Could we just be really honest today? If that's you, would you stand? And uh, I just want to kind of pray for you. If you're like, I've got, I've got some, I've got a giant in my life today, and I just like some prayer for that. We're just going to pray that God gives you everything you need for for life and godliness. Now, you see the people standing. Let's just uh, take a moment. Why don't let's make sure that everybody who's standing has somebody to lay a hand on their shoulder to kind of pray for them, support them and pray for them? Could we just kind of move out and, and make sure that everybody, if there's anybody standing, that there's somebody beside them so they're not standing alone? And then I'm gonna close us in prayer. So you just begin to pray and encourage that person as, uh, as, as I say a prayer over all of us. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you see things in us that we don't even see in ourselves sometimes and that and that you want to use us and so I just pray for all of us God that uh, you would help us to get in touch with our inner David that that uh, just that that person that you're making on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit that that new creation God may we stand in that today and I particularly want to pray for for everybody who stood, that just said, "I'm facing a giant." God, you know what those giants are, and and you know how to make them fall. And so I just pray blessing and encouragement and uh, and strength uh, upon the people who stood today. God, would you give them everything that they need to bring that giant down? And uh, God, we're trusting you because we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.